0: It's incredible to see how far we've come just in the last decade, but my feeling is that it's only gonna accelerate and there's gonna be growing pains, there's gonna be issues. It's my feeling that the sport is very special and that when people come into the sport, the sport changes them, they don't change the sport. And that's a powerful thing. And when they have that change and growth and evolution, they then go into their daily lives go into their workplaces, go into their relationships with this changed attitude as a result of being part of our culture and part of our community. And that has rippling effects into the larger uh, society and civilization. So I think very highly of our sport and the people in it. I think we're at an inflection point in the history right now. I think the next decade is gonna be absolutely crazy in terms of growth and further evolution and development.
1: Happy New Year, everyone. That was Dylan Bowman. I'm your host, Mario Fraioli, and you are listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. We've got a super fun episode to kick off 2022. Me and my friend Dylan Bowman, who first appeared on the podcast on episode 14 in 2018, got on the mics recently to catch up with one another about all sorts of stuff. We talk about where we're at in our respective lives right now, what we both have going on athletically and professionally, where we see certain parts of the running industry going in the next few years, and a lot more. For those of you who don't know, Dylan is one of the top ultra runners in the U.S., if not the world. Last year, he finished second at the Hard Rock 100 Endurance Run, running under the previous course record time, and he's won or been on the podium at Trans Canaria, TDS, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji, Tarawera, and other big races. He's also the founder of Free Trail, a training and media platform dedicated to the life changing sport of trail and ultra running, which he is super passionate about, as you will pick up from in this conversation. And he also hosts the Free Trail podcast. In fact, Dylan is going to share this same episode of the podcast to the Free Trail feed very soon, and it will include a special 35 minute bonus segment where he talks about his next professional steps in terms of sponsorship and employment. So be sure to keep an ear open for that and check it out. Before we get into this one, I'd like to thank Tracksmith for supporting this episode of the podcast. When we commit to consistency in January, we're committing to the process and all the ups and downs that will inevitably follow. Let's face it, Training through winter is really tough. The dark days, harsh weather, and fledgling motivation will test that commitment. The No Days Off campaign is Tracksmith's annual call for patience, persistence, and participation in running. It's not about running every day and never taking a day off, but rather a recognition that little and often beats grand acts of ruinous excess. Doing a little something every day with intention will help you better embrace the elements so you can continue you training through the darkest days of winter and reap the benefits come spring. The No Days Off collection is designed to help you weather Mother Nature's worst and features staples for getting out the door in the most miserable of conditions. One of my favorite pieces is the Downeaster Half Zip. It's made out of merino wool, so it regulates heat really well in a variety of winter conditions. Plus, it's the nicest looking shirt that I own and looks great to wear out and about after the run, go to tracksmith.com Mario to check out some of my favorite apparel picks and use the code Mario at checkout to get free shipping on your order while also helping support LA saves track, a campaign to rebuild the dilapidated track and field facilities at Los Angeles high school, providing access and pathways to opportunity for the student athletes at LA's oldest school. This episode is also brought to you by the Kaiser Permanente San Francisco Half Marathon 10K and 5K. With in-person races coming back into the fold, your winter racing calendar is probably filling up super fast. A lot of us are looking to get back out on the roads and race with our local running community. I know that I sure am consider adding one of my favorite races to your lineup, the Kaiser Permanente San Francisco Half Marathon 10K and 5K on February 6th, 2022. There's something here for everyone, and the folks at Kaiser Permanente are there to support you every step of the way. I've raced a half marathon here on multiple occasions, actually won the first edition of the 10K a few years ago, and I'd love for you to join me at one of this year's races. It's an amazing event that runs through Golden Gate Park and along the Pacific Ocean on the Great Highway. It's actually one of San Francisco's least hilliest races, and I just can't say enough good things about it. Register today at GetFit.com kpsf.com slash race, and use the code SHAKEOUT, that's all caps, when you check out before January 31st and save 10 bucks on your registration fee. That's getfitkpsf.com slash race and use the code SHAKEOUT for $10 off your registration fee. Okay, that's it for the intro and the ads. Please enjoy this uninterrupted conversation with me and my friend, Dylan Bowman I've got to ask so where are you right now as an athlete you mentioned how you're 36 years old you're moving on to some other endeavors you have non-traditional arrangements with your sponsors slash employers so fill me in i know that it wasn't that long ago that you had an epic experience at the grand raid on reunion island watch that film if you haven't already but we're having this conversation on the first day of 2022 so how is dylan bowman professional athlete thinking about the next one to three years of your career
0: i would say mario that again when I was twenty four or twenty five I just had this crazy obsession with just getting better as an athlete about learning about trail running about going through race results and reading blogs and listening to interviews about you know trail running with trail athletes, learning how to train all those things. I now have in the similar exact same obsession for what I'm doing on the media and entrepreneurship side, and so the, I, I guess my deepest and purest motivation now is not necessarily to be the best athlete that I can be anymore. There was a time in my life when that was the case. I definitely still want mm-hmm. to do it. Right. But I am completely obsessed with this other thing, you know? So it, it feels like it's, I can't stop thinking about it. Right. And this is how I felt about trail and ultra running when I was 24, 25. Now here I am 35 and it's like, I really feel like we're doing something cool here. I can't stop thinking about it. I have a million different ideas and I want to push that as much as I can. And I do still have goals that I want to chase as an athlete. I still still do want to sort of push and my race at Hard Rock earlier in the summer gave me a Really great feeling of just like man, thirty-five. I've been doing this a long time, and I can still like have the best race in my career. You know, after so many ultras under my belt, I'm still I can still get better at this, and I I so I still want to do that. And um, there's definitely athletic goals that I would still like to achieve, but it's going to have to be the second priority, right? Because this other thing is what I'm actually just deeply in love with and obsessed with right now. And of course they're related, right? Because the media side of things is deeply connected to trail running. And so I get that same satisfaction. I still have all my relationships. It's not like as i slowly kind of transition away from being just like a purely pro athlete, uh, it won't impact, you know, the people who I interact with and whatever, because I'm staying in the same, same industry. And so And I'll continue to run ultras forever, I'm convinced, you know, like even after the days that I'm (laughs) competing as like, quote unquote, pro. But yeah, I mean, that's the position that I'm at right now. I don't really have that much time to train. I run like an hour a day right now, just get out in the morning for an hour. And that's about as much as I can do. Uh, And we're going to just kind of see how much uh, time I have on my hands. I'd like to do UTMB next year. And it's far enough away right now to where obviously you mean this year. Yeah. Well, uh, this year. Yes. Thank (laughs) you. 2022. It it Um, hasn't sunk in for me yet either. Yeah. So I I would like to do UTMB this year. It's still long enough away to where I have plenty of time to prepare. And of course I would like to do one or two things before then. So still TBD on that front. I got to see how the next month or two plays out on the work front and then start setting goals again but that's kind of where I am psychologically in my career. Still very much want to be an athlete, still feel like I have gas in the tank, but it's not my number one thing anymore.
1: Do you think because it's not your number one thing anymore, it's still important to you as you just described, but you're pouring so much more of your mental energy, emotional energy, even some of your physical energy into these other pursuits that we talked about a little while ago that it almost takes some of the pressure off. Cause I know you when you're out training for these races, like you've got this switch that you can flip. I mean, I don't want to say unlike anyone else I've ever met, but but like very few people that I've ever met that when you're on and you're like, okay, I got eight weeks to this race. Like you give it everything that you got for eight weeks. You're super dialed. You do what you need to do and you show up ready to throw down. Mm -hmm. But then you can shut it off afterward. And now I think you're at a point of your career where you don't have anything to prove. You shut it off after UTMB and be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to kind of lay low for the rest of the year maybe, and I'm just going to put more of my energy into this this other stuff. But do you think because of that, it might actually help you continue to perform at a very high level into your late 30s and maybe early 40s or however long you want to take it?
0: Definitely. I think – the days are over that I'm going to do six or seven ultras a year, right? Right, yeah. I'm thinking now I'd like to do two to three that I'm like fairly serious about and just give them everything I can. And yeah, I think to your point, I have always been good about turning it on when I need to and turning it off when I need to. And I've never been somebody who's obsessive about metrics and stuff. So I'm not somebody who like is constantly looking at my training volume and thinking, Oh, I'm being lazy. And I think that's a blessing in a lot of ways. And also when I'm on, I'm not the type of person that obsesses over my training volume. I I train more for a state of mind and a, and a feeling than I do based on numbers and metrics. And, um, I think it'll be also liberating Mario. And I think part of the reason I've been able to have a long career too, is because I have always had a job outside of it. And so yeah. it I, it is going to be also nice to just like my compensation now going forward is not going to be based on my athletic performance, you know, and that is a freeing thing that put, could potentially uh, positively impact athletic performance. I think because it will be truly for the love, you know, for the passion. And at the same time, it could also be sort of the first step towards not being quote unquote pro or uh, as competitive as I have been to this point in my career.
1: Do you think you'll know when you hit that finish line of being like, okay, I am not a pro. I'm not competing for the podium at, these races or is it just too hard to tell right now?
0: I think, yeah, you'll probably have a realization of when you've gone over the hill and you really just can't <laughs> put together the same performances. To be honest, I've had feelings that I've been past that hill in the past in my career. But like I just said, in relationship to hard rock, it was like, Oh, wow. I can still do still this. There. this. is It's still there. If I do things right. And if I execute, I can still compete. Not with Francois Dane, unfortunately. But,
1: <laughs>
0: um, well, to be fair, very yeah, few I, people I, can. I think to your to your question, though, Mario, one of the athletes who I admire deeply, as you know, is Craig Alexander, who never like mm-hmm. retired. You know, he still gets after it. You know, he'll still race pro 70.3s and he's never retired. And like Tim Johnson is another great example. Um, National Champion Cyclocross guy and longtime Red Bull person who I've uh, admired from afar and who I've been lucky to sort of develop a little bit of a relationship with he also never retired. it was just like he kept doing it he keeps showing up to races he keeps doing it and I'm sure there's sort of a bit of a ego uh transition or just kind of you have to probably it probably takes a little while to get used to not seeing yourself as a pro anymore, but as long as you stay, stay committed to the lifestyle and stay connected to the community, that's why we do it in the first place. So it's like you get over that ego thing after some time and it ultimately is the same reward.
1: I love hearing that. And I don't want to call it a trend just yet, but we're seeing more athletes in endurance sports who never officially retire. Like the first person that came to mind as you were describing that, and I guess she she did announce her retirement, is Shalane Flanagan. I mean, she's no longer... In the pro fields at major marathons, but she's still training like 80 miles a week, which is a lot. But when you when you're used to doing 140, it's like, okay, you know, that opens up a whole lot more time to do <laughs> other things. And then she steps in the line, she gives it what she has. And she's coming up with unique challenges for herself that she looks forward to and that keep her honest and sort of keep her in the game but it's no longer about making another olympic team winning a marathon major setting a personal best i mean those as far as i know those incentives aren't in in her contracts but she's you know she's still in it dina castor does something very similar where she never actually retired but she'll still show up and throw down at a race wherever you know wherever she's at at that at that point um and she's learned to be okay with it. And I love seeing that. I mean, it's the worst thing in, in sports, especially these endurance sports that we love to see an athlete retire. And then they're just poof gone yeah. uh and they're you know maybe they're involved in a coaching capacity or they go to work for a company but they're kind of like out of the the public eye yeah. so to speak and you wonder like oh whatever happened to that person but it's like oh you know, people still see you at a race and they're like hey it's great to see you at a race like you're still a part of the the community which i know is very very important to you and you know you're you're in control of your own future destiny and can come up with you know unique challenges races that you want to run and, and just do it i mean on some level, you always do it for you, but do it more for yourself than to satisfy any obligations that you might have. So,
0: yeah. Well, last thing I'll say before we transition to you, Mario is, yeah, I think the Shalane example is a good one where she now, from what I've heard, pours her heart and soul into the Bowerman team as a coach. Mm -hmm. And she's just having, she's having the same impact on the sport as she always have has, but it's a different impact. And in some ways, I bet it's incredibly invigorating for her to have this sort of transformation of her career and of her daily life, you know, and have new ways to challenge herself, but stay connected to her training group who Mm -hmm. sort of shepherded her to incredible performances as one of the best American distance runners of all time. So she's still connected to her community and having an impact. And I think that's what we all want to do is just be connected to a community and have an impact. And for her, it was an a- as an athlete for a long time. Now it's as a coach and with her books and publishing that she does as well. And uh, it's, I think, a the perfect representation of what executing your career well as a professional athlete looks like. And Shalane's definitely somebody who I admire greatly, though I don't know her personally. So anyway, yeah, exciting times, man. It's uh, it's uh, great to talk about it with you. And uh, yeah, I want to hear everything that you've got going on too. And after after we go into your thing, we have to remember to talk about how you and I nearly sort of brought our two uh, powers well, together. Yeah, n- we'll, we'll get into that. Nearly brought our powers together.
1: I mean, we still could at some point. I mean, yes, you know, yeah. the idea hasn't gone anywhere. I still have all of the artwork the for it. Yeah and i'm I'm not gonna go any further than that right now, so I can just like leave that cliffhanger there for people to continue listening to to this conversation. but I'm good uh we're having this conversation on the first day of two thousand twenty two and I'm just really excited for this next year ahead. I mean in my life, years that end in two. Have generally been pretty good. And I mean, that's a very selfish thing to say, but I was born in 1982. 1992, I was 10 years old. It was the Barcelona Olympics, the dream team. I was super into basketball at that point of my life. I just remember it being a very like formative time for me and just really an exciting time for me as a, as a young kid and, and as a young athlete that really shaped, you know, the, I mean, honestly, the next like 30 years almost, um, in terms of what I wanted to do in sport, how excited I got about sport athletes that I admired, like all that sort of stuff. Then I go to 2002 and it was right in the middle of my collegiate career. And that was sort of an over the, over the the hump type of year for me as as an athlete I'd had a good first like year year and a half of college but in 2002 I really turned a corner as an athlete and qualified for the national cross country meet for the first time started putting up times that qualified me for nationals on the track and really showed me what was possible for me as an athlete and i i continued to grow from there and then fast forward you know another 10 years to 2012 i was 30. i was at the olympics in london as a coach i had an athlete cesar lozano from costa rica who qualified for the games i got to go be a part of it and that is still to this day just one of like the the wildest most memorable times you know of of my life and now you know here we are in 2022 i'm turning 40 in a few months i'm really excited to turn 40. uh i i don't even have the words for why exactly maybe we can figure them out over the over the yeah. rest of this conversation um but i'm just i'm really excited for 2022 i mean I'm, I'm not much of a resolutions person but i do like having you know a fresh start of sorts or like a clean slate and i'm looking ahead to this year just for myself personally Um in terms of things that I want to do athletically, things that I want to do, you know, professionally and just, you know, personally, I feel like I'm, I'm like coming into my own really for, wow. uh, I don't want to say like the the first time, but I just feel really solid about where I am in life. My wife, Christine, and I have a great relationship. We feel at home here in Marin County. And I mean, for for all of those reasons, I'm just really excited for, for this next year ahead. And I'm happy to talk about any and all of those things that I that I just mentioned to you. Um but yeah I'm just I'm just excited as as we start uh 2022.
0: And what a great feeling that is. And I feel the exact same way right now, Mario of like I really do feel that I've sort of found my calling for the first time. And like this is what I was meant to do. So let's, uh, I want to, I think we should talk about career stuff because I think we can learn a lot from one another. I'd love to sort of hear where you're at with the morning shakeout, but you're sort of uh, suggesting that you have some athletic goals as you're turning 40, maybe some other personal goals. Let's talk about those first before we go into the morning shakeout. Yeah. Well, when I
1: turn 40, I'll officially be a master's athlete. So in that 40 plus age group. So there are a lot of races, certainly nationally, uh, and I think internationally as well, but nationally where they're masters only. So you're in the race with other folks who are around your age at 40 to 44 or 45 to 49, or or maybe it's 40 to 50. I think it just depends on, on the event. So I have a lot of friends who have already turned 40 and they also saw it as this sort of fresh starting line, a clean slate of sorts where it's like, Hey, I don't got to compete against the kids who are right <laughs> out of college. And they're like 21, 22 years old or even mid twenties. They have young, fresh legs. They're still, you know, developing. Kids are just getting faster and faster these days. It's like, okay, I'm I'm kind of like the the playing field has been leveled a little mm. bit and I don't know why that's, exciting to me as as an athlete but it is and it's exciting to me from the the standpoint of oh here I am at age 40 and I want to go back and race on the track and I haven't done that in many years I've done mile time trials and that sort of stuff but I want to like put spikes back on enter track meets race 1500 meters see if I can qualify for the master's national championship there's a race that i've had my eye on for a few years and it's the new balance boston indoor grand prix and it takes place every year in about february and i won't be 40 this february so it's not on the table for this year so this will have to be like 2023 but to where i'm from grew up in massachusetts i've raced on the reggie lewis indoor track since high school they have a master's mile every year (laughs) indoors and it's super competitive. Um, and I've been, I've been keeping an eye on it for several years. And I, I told myself like two years ago, I'm like, I want to race at the new balance, Boston indoor grand prix in the master's mile I'll Have my dad in the stands to watch the race friends who I grew up with, ran with in high school and college be there as well. And it almost feels like this, you know, full circle, you know, type of type of moment. I'm like, I want to be like in that race. And now like the possibilities because I'm going to be 40, like in, in, you know a few months but i'll be able to potentially do that in 2023 so it's like i'm motivated i got to get fit like so that i can get invited to be like in that race um the last few years in cross country which is near and dear to me i grew up running cross country in high school and college the the master's divisions have just been getting like more and more competitive and there are people who i competed with in high school and college who are already there and having an impact. And, and maybe there's part of me that like kind of wants to go back and rekindle some old rivalries. Um, Nate Jenkins, former podcast guest on the morning shakeout was my collegiate rival. Mm. And I mean, after talking to him last year for my, my podcast, we kind of hinted at, it. I was like, man, the last cross country ra- races that we ran together, um, you got me at the regional by like two seconds. I got you at nationals. Like, let's show up to like the USATF <laughs> yeah. Masters Cross Country Championship. Keep Championships the rivalry going. Yeah, when we're in our 40s and just and just like throw down for the fun of it. And yeah. and I think that's like a, a big part of it. Like running for me right now as I approach 40, having been in the sport on – a number of different levels involved in many different disciplines for the past, you know, 25 years, it's never been more fun for me. Um, and I know there are a lot of athletes who get to, to my age and they're fried on it and, you know, they've moved up in distance and it's like I don't want to move up in distance anymore. I think that's part of why I'm, I'm going back, but it's just, it's really fun for me. And I'm, I'm sort of just excited to see what's possible for myself at the age of 40 and like the type of running that, that I do, like my background in cross country track road racing, um, you know, unlike ultras in a lot of ways is very like, you know, sort of like time-based, like, you know, what you ran for the mile in high school, you know, what you ran for 1500 meters in college or, or 5,000. And I mean, I don't, I don't have delusions that like, I'm going to go and run personal best at some of these distances, but I think that's kind of what's exciting about It's like, Oh, I'm starting fresh again. Like I, like a lot of my friends who are already masters runners say, Oh, you're, you, you like rewrite your your record books, like after you turn 40, like you have over 40 like PRs and, and I mean, I guess you could do that at any age, but you know, at 40, it feels like, okay, this is like, this is like kind of the time to do it. I'm excited to, and I'm excited to just see what's possible at this age. Like I, you know, talk about personal challenges. I'm like, oh, I've, I've, you know, I've run sub four for 1500 meters before in college. Mm When, when did I do that? Well, almost twenty years ago. I'm like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to see if I can get sub four, like twenty years after 20 I, I years first later. did it. Um, and and I I might not. Um, but yeah. I'm okay if I don't. As a younger athlete, I it would have crushed me not to do it. And now I'm at this point. I'm like I'm like if I don't, you know, it it's fine. But it's like
0: the the, the your process ego and your in, identity isn't wrapped up in it anymore. Yeah. I think this is an yeah, important no one, thing. No one, right? Mario, no one cares, just, but me. Yeah, yeah, and it's just I think speaks to. The inherent joy in setting goals and going after them. And that's not something that needs to ever end in life. And I think there's a lot of people who have raced at a high level, like you and me, who once the best days are behind them, they just stop setting those types of goals anymore and stop really like challenging themselves and pushing themselves. And there is this inherent joy in that grind and that challenge and that constant constantly being stressed, stretched. So yeah, kudos to you for continuing to do that. And it is cool to feel like it's a fresh start at 40 to start rewriting the record book a little bit. Yeah. And I I think the thing
1: for me is the last several years, like I've mostly done marathons and halves and you know from 2014 to 2017 i focused mostly on ultras and that was fun i love doing that stuff i learned yeah. a lot and i challenged myself in different ways but i haven't been on the track with any seriousness since like early 2000s uh i haven't raced cross country with any real seriousness since about that same amount of time and i don't know why right now, maybe it is just the fresh start of 40 in this new division and, you know, potential opportunities. I want to go back to that. Like, I kind of want to go back to my roots and back to Mm. my beginnings with the knowledge and experience that I have now and see what's possible at the age of of 40. And it's, yeah, it's exciting me. Um, You know, it keeps it fresh. And I mean, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people when you've been involved in sport for a long time is like how do you keep it fresh how do you keep it exciting and you know for me as I'm on the cusp of turning 40 like that's what's fresh and exciting for right. me and uh I'm just like I don't want to fast forward through these next um five months but I can't wait till I turn 40 and can start entering the master's division at different <laughs> yes. races
0: awesome man well maybe when you're 50 you can come do 100 mile too. <laughs> you still have that on your to-do list also
1: so <laughs> I will get back to ultras at some point. I, I don't know when, uh, but I will get back to yeah, participating goals, in, yeah. in ultras.
0: I'm no not rush. wired
1: that way. I mean, it's not my natural inclination to just keep going longer and keep going yeah. longer, but I, I will get back to that. I mean, I love the sport. I still coach a number of ultra athletes. I'm really interested in the, the training aspect of it. Um, yeah. but you know, for myself right now, it's just not what lights my fire, but it will a few years from now. I mean, yeah. that's again, how you keep it fresh and exciting.
0: No doubt. So let's talk about the morning shakeout. In our text exchange prior to recording here, you said that you're doubling down. What's happening on the business side for you and um, how do you sort of anticipate 2022 going on that front?
1: Yeah. So to rewind and just set the table first, I have been working on the morning shakeout, which started as an email newsletter since late 2015. The podcast came about two years later. It was 2017 when I launched the podcast and it has occupied a significant amount of my working time over the last three years, in addition to coaching, which I also love. And on the coaching side of things over the past few years, I've worked with anywhere from 20 to 30 athletes Mm -hmm. more often than not. While I was also doing the morning shakeout, newsletter and podcast. And as I head into 2022 here from a working standpoint, I still want to work on all of those things. And I love working on all of those things, but I just want to shift the ratios a little bit. So Ah. I'm going to dial back the coaching roster a bit and cap that at 15 and not take on new athletes. And that will free up more time for me to pour that time energy into the morning shakeout newsletter and podcast and when i say pour more time into i think the first thing a lot of people think of oh you're going to have like another episode of the podcast come out or is the newsletter going to come out a couple more times no like that i, I don't want to do that i'm happy with like the cadence of things but mm. um to do what i do well requires time energy focus and i feel like
0: i've been i've been learning that I, myself <laughs> yeah, because
1: I've spread myself a little too thin over the past few years if I'm I'm being honest. I'm not able to give the time, energy and focus to not only the newsletter and the podcast, but also the athletes that I'm working with. When yeah. you have that many athletes and you know, you're also working on a, a few other things, like things are going to suffer and I think they've all suffered. I feel like I've been doing you know, a a good job at everything, like I'm keeping my head above water, but I'm not really doing a great job at any of those things. So I want to be, you know, a better coach to the athletes that I work with. I want to pour more of myself into the the podcast specifically and, you know, really take it to the next level in terms of the quality of the conversations that I'm having and that I'm putting out each week. Um, That the newsletter is not just something that I'm spending all day Monday throwing together. I'm working on it you know, even more frequently throughout the week. Cause I have the time to do that so that when it comes out on Tuesday morning, um, it's, you know, I pretty comprehensive as, as far as like, all right, I'm not just like, okay, what did I, what did I read, listen to, you know, think about this week. It's like, I I've been thinking about it and working on it like a little bit, you know, every day. So, so that's a been a higher like, so,
0: level of attention, concentration, to yeah. the content side of your business which will obviously then probably result in higher quality production which is scary because yeah. you're already the best at it. <laughs> oh, I I don't think so. Um and I'm curious about what uh, what motivated this because you know obviously you just said you love coaching and it's not like you're mm-hmm. shutting down the coaching operation. Did you did you sense that you were just like too yeah. overcommitted?
1: Yeah. Uh, Exactly. I just, I felt really spread out over the past year specifically. And I think when it really landed for me was this fall when races started really coming back. I mean, it was a busy fall in terms of races for, um, my, my athletes certainly, but just the sport in general. Um, I just felt like I had too much going on. I'm like, wow, I'm, I've got way too many athletes. I can't even give all of them the attention that they deserve and that they're paying me for in a lot uh. of ways. Um and it it also I think and this is this is very subjective, but I'm maybe a little too hard on myself sometimes, but I think you have to be in order to do things well. Like I didn't feel like I was able to then you know put the time that I needed to into preparing for interviews and making sure that you know when I got on the mic that I was focused just on my guest and ready to have a conversation. My mind wasn't in a million other places. And that's just sort of how I've felt, you know, over the past year. So I'm like, okay, I've got to like, just find a better balance so that I can be a better coach to the athletes that I do work with, that I can be more present for the conversations I'm having for the podcast, that I can be more diligent in working on the newsletter and not just like, oh shit, I got a newsletter coming out tomorrow morning. Like I've got to, you know, I've got to throw this together. So yeah, it was very, very much, you know, internal. Um, but then also, as well, like with the with the morning shakeout. Not that it was getting stale, but I was like, okay, I've been doing the same thing. I mean, with the newsletter since the beginning, with the podcast since the the beginning. It's like, okay, well, what else can I do with with the morning shakeout? And really, like, what's been sitting in front of me the whole time that I haven't moved on is just this community that I've mm-hmm. built with my readers and. My listeners, but I haven't really harnessed that community much at all. So, with the help of a couple of members on my team, we're going to just invest more of our resources into growing that community through Patreon and in some other places. Hopefully, at live events later this year, and just just having more, you know, interaction, being able to offer them, you know, a little bit more for their support. Um, and some of that just ties into what I'm doing, like with coaching i mean that's a a lot of the content that i put out some of the most popular aspects of it are coaching related whether it's workout of the week or Uh you know it's analyzing you know someone's training that sort of thing so just doing more of you know doing more of that and making it accessible and available to to the community so um i felt i feel like that was a that was a lot to drop right there but um it's it's great
0: so just to kind of summarize and you can correct me if i'm wrong the product with the morning shakeout isn't changing. The newsletter is still going to come out as normal on Tuesdays along with the podcast, Mm -hmm. usually what, Monday afternoon. And uh, then you're going to spend your extra time sort of trying to build and cultivate or harness really the community that you've already built and sort of serve them a little bit better.
1: Yeah. And, and this evolution has already been happening. I mean, when I started the newsletter, it was, uh, it had no business ambitions behind it at all. It yeah. was just a creative itch that I wanted to scratch. I was working at competitor magazine at the time. I had a very defined job in what I could write about and what type of content I was putting out in the morning. We nearly was launched a, a
0: podcast together. At yeah, we, we
1: nearly did, which we, which we'll again, we just teased Good. that again. We will get to that. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I was sharing things that I couldn't write about for a competitor. And a lot of that was opinion on the sport. And for, I think the first probably five years or so of the morning shakeout newsletters existence, it was really mostly about that. It was about what's happening in the sport and what do I think about it? And I've I've always kind of liked that sort of columnist type of role and you couldn't really I couldn't really have it when I was working at competitor and I had that through the morning shakeout but over the past year I've become just less interested in that and it felt more forced than ever before like trying to find things to have an opinion about yeah yeah have a take on and and then you start asking like well why do I have a, why do I have to have a take on this and then you know next week does anyone care the answer is usually like no um But what was really fun for me to work on and what I was getting a lot of great response from in terms of what I was writing about, but also some of the conversations I was having with the podcast was like just showing people what was possible for themselves through running, whether as an athlete through something I shared from my own experience or coaching from a coaching standpoint. Or someone else's story, someone who's done something inspiring, whether it was in the sport for themselves, um, whether it was using running as a vehicle to bring awareness to something, whether it was using running to, you know, overcome something difficult in their life and help them land to a better place. Like I love like writing and sharing and talking about that sort of stuff, and I noticed it was like just starting to get more traction. Like people were more into that than you know, whatever hot take I had that week. Wow. I, and I shouldn't say like a hot take. I think I have a pretty informed opinion on a lot of things happening in the sport. And, sure. you know, maybe you, I'll you share were those. You my... never unreasonable.
0: You know, it wasn't as if you were Skip Bayless in the newsletter, no. <laughs> just no. eviscerating uh, runners and industry people with your, with your takes
1: yeah but similar to like what you were talking about earlier about taking all the different things that you're doing and tying them together and making it a bit more cohesive i mean yeah yeah, it is a powerful thing and i think about what i do as a coach and what do i do as a coach it's not just write training programs for people i show people it's possible for themselves um you know i almost have to convince them before they get started like hey this this is what you can do if you know, if you stay with it for long enough, if we make this tweak in your training, you know, what, what a whatever gift it, that like, is! And yeah, and and that's and that's really powerful. Like it, it makes your work feel very purposeful. Uh, it does for me, and I'm doing that on a one-on-one level. And as I described a little while ago, like you can only do that, I think, with so many people. Like have that kind of very intimate relationship um, where you can, you know, give them that type of attention and really like just be alongside them for their entire journey. So that's why I still want to coach like a, a smaller number of athletes, but what I'm learning or what I've learned, I should say in the other work that I've done, like through the newsletter and podcast, I can reach more people um, and I can show people what's possible for themselves, not just from a training standpoint, but by sharing other people's stories, by sharing some of my own experiences as an athlete, as a coach, as someone who's been in the space for a while. And I I can do that through my writing, but I can also do that through the conversations that I'm having for the podcast. And that shift has happened too, like rather than, you know, just getting the top athletes who did something special at a race a week or two ago or have something coming up and talking to them about that. I mean, you can get those conversations and no offense to anyone, like pretty much anywhere. Um, And they're interesting to a point, but, you know, let's take those same people and go to a place that they haven't been in a conversation before and, you know, really help myself and my listeners understand like how you know, how they got to where, where they are, but then also bringing in some other people who you may not have heard of, who I just know have incredible stories. And I know by sharing those stories, it's going to help people who are listening to see something inside themselves. So it's wanting to do more of that. Uh, and that's definitely a, a shift that's been taking place over the past year. But as the calendar turns into 2022, like I'm, I'm fully focused on that and developing a community around that and hearing more people's stories and bringing them to the forefront so that more people can be aware of them. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that for me is like kind of this, you know, this, this confluence of all these things that that I've been working on um, getting to this point right now where it's like, okay, I, I'm all in on yeah. this right here.
0: I love it, man. And as somebody who's been in the media and journalism world for a long time, it almost feels like you're moving back towards journalism rather than editorial, right? The separation between opinion in the newsroom and you're sort of moving back to storytelling rather than trying to, yeah, have, have a hot take. And again, you were never, I think, obnoxious with the opinions that you have and your credibility and, your reputation as such. So when you I'm sure you'll still have opinions in the future that you're going to want to share, but sure. shifting the emphasis is it's uh, yeah, it's going to make a difference for you. And I think will probably yeah, make you feel a little bit more fulfilled and uh, a little bit more confident in, in the product that you're putting out.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far to say that it's a return to to journalism i think journalism you are still trying to arrive at a truth like i'm not trying to you know put anyone on the spot or uncover a truth but it is storytelling um and it's storytelling in unique ways and that's through sharing my own story whether it's in the newsletter or on you know, some of the podcasts I'm going to put out next year, which will be a little bit different than just the standard back and forth conversation that I, that I've had. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just taking other people's, taking other people's stories and, you know, putting them on a, you know, putting them on a a little bit of a pedestal so Mm -hmm. that, you know, so that people are, people are aware of them and can maybe see themselves, you know, in that person and their story and inspire someone to go out and you know, and try something or change your life. I mean, for me, I mean, that's the big difference maker for me. I mean, every week, the replies that I get to the morning shakeout email usually aren't a disagreement or an agreement with a take that I've had, uh, occasionally like that would happen. It would be like, Hey, you shared a podcast with Tommy Rivers Pusey that he did with Rich Roll and how that impacted you. Um, and, I would not have been aware of that podcast if I hadn't read about it in your newsletter. And I've been in a dark place recently, you know, and, you know, it helped me to keep the faith that if I just keep fighting that I can get over, get over this. I mean, I I got that email just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And that's the stuff like, all right, I want to do more of that uh, because it makes my work feel more purposeful when it can help other people. And, and selfishly, like it helps me too. Like I seek this stuff out and I find it and I share about it. And the newsletter especially is like my own kind of journal in sharing this stuff. It's like, Hey, here's this thing that I watched or I listened to or that I've been thinking about and how it impacted me. Um, and by sharing that it, I mean, it helps other people, um, yeah. you know, and it, and that's really like the direction that I want to continue taking, you know, my work, not only this year, but beyond hopefully.
0: Yeah. I want to ask you some more stuff about the morning shakeout here, but I wanted to just kind of share a little bit about this conversation of sort of building and nurturing community because it's front of mind for me right now. And this is really the biggest joy that I've gotten out of working on free trail is the people who Mm -hmm. sort of are part of our training community who are subscribers to our app. Not only do they make everything possible from a financial standpoint for our business, but We've really built a very strong group of people who I feel genuinely close to. Many of these people I've never met in person, but yeah. we do Zoom calls every week and we get to know each other. And I, we have, you know, exchange texts and emails and within the app, there's a fun way that we can all communicate and keep track of one another. And with the Gorge Waterfalls race, which we just acquired, we're going to have, I think, around 40 people coming from our community and we're, they're all going to be sort of training together on the same sort of plans. And we're all going to be having these zoom calls and, you know, we're going to finally get to come together in person at this race that I now sort of manage and it's going to be such a joy. And I think (laughs) there's so much power in that. And I think we all are drawn to running because of the relationships that we build within the sport, And I'm just so excited. I'm going to throw a big party for everybody. My hope is that with spouses and crew support and stuff, we might have like a hundred plus people that I can sort of sponsor a happy hour for, and we can all sort of mix and mingle and sort of just be with each other in person. It's a really powerful thing. And I think, yeah, community really is everything. And when you can pair that with your business, it's just, it gives you that sense of purpose that you're talking about.
1: Oh, dude, I, I love hearing that. And I mean, that's a lot of what we're going to try to do at the morning shakeout in 2022 and beyond. And a lot of it will be through our Patreon community and it will be, I don't know, a race, but it'll be like, hey, let's do an eight-week mile training program together. Yeah. We'll all be on more or less the same schedule, even if we're not in the same place. Like we feel connected in that way that, hey, on you know June 1st, we're all going to do a one-mile time There's trial. There's other but people
0: we've, doing these silly workout. yeah but we've been
1: but we've been doing it together for the last eight weeks in our own way and staying connected and it's like that's one way that we can do it um i do want to do something where we pick an actual event and we train for it for a set amount of time and then like you're doing with the gorge race all will meet there and actually like you know do it at our own pace but do it together and just have it be like this in-person experience and then the other part of that i went to boston marathon this past year and it was the only event that wasn't local that i went to but i feel that be able to travel a little bit more freely in 2022 and be at some more events and hosting shakeout runs with members of my community readers and listeners of the morning shakeout i mean i miss that i just i i realized at boston this year like how much i i miss that because a lot of these folks i i email with back and forth like throughout I've like pen pals essentially like through you know through the morning shakeout who I've had like an ongoing dialogue with for like a year, two years, five years. And you know, in some cases many of them I've never met in person. And then some of them I've had the good fortune to at different events in the past. So it's doing, you know, more of that sort of thing. And then even here in Marin County where I live, I don't have the details of this dialed. So I don't want to Uh, spill too many specifics yet but doing like a monthly shakeout and whether it's here in marin or whether it's like in san francisco like in the in the bay area where it's like okay local readers and listeners of the morning shakeout can get together once a month and if once a month uh, doesn't seem like enough. Maybe we'll do it twice a month or weekly or something like that, and just yeah. you know continuing to build and grow the community like in those in those different ways. And those aren't things that I you know that I've tried in the past or put a lot of focus and energy and attention into. But uh, I'm hoping that just by you know redistributing where my time, energy, and attention is going, that I'm able to do that yeah. you know here in this this next year and moving forward because it's so important. Um, yeah. The the community aspect of it is so important, and it just makes it feel. A lot more real. A lot of what we do is digital. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, you know, in in your car, like through your earbuds or wherever it wherever it happens to be. You know, you're interacting with your app. You're reading my email newsletter. But there's no, and that's great, and and we love you for that. And that's like and that's that's incredible. But there's no substitute for just the actual like in person engagement. And uh, I hope to do especially you know, after more two of that. Years just. Of-
0: freaking covid.
1: Yeah. So. yeah, exactly. And just hope to do more of that moving forward. It's just yeah. so important for all of us.
0: Yeah. So, in your doubling down of the morning shakeout, I just kind of want to ask a few inside baseball questions. Oh yeah. Because you've like you've done such a great job with it and I'm just sort of curious about what ultimately would be a success for you. Like do you ever see you expanding it or like bringing on writers and building out a website to make it more of a destination or, I mean, you've, you're sort of and part of one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is the fact that you're sort of like this solo media creator, but you have like Mm -hmm. a team and how you outsource certain things. I'm curious uh, about any of those things that you want to tackle. So, I'm open to possibility <laughs> uh, I think that's the
1: the blanket statement because there is a how can I put this um it has mostly been me since the very beginning in terms of writing the newsletter and being the host of the podcast. I have a great team behind me Chris Douglas, who handles my sponsorship sales, John Summerford has edited every episode of the podcast since the very beginning, Jeff Stern manages social media for. The morning shakeout, which has been huge. And it's great to have them on the team to help me with those, those different tasks. But as far as creating the core content, I've done it all since the very beginning. And some of that's a point of pride and some of that's me just being a control freak and not yeah. being able to let go of things. And I want to get to a place where I feel more comfortable letting go of some things and having it not just be about me or have me be at the center of it. So I don't have any pieces in place yet, but I can tell you about some of the things that I've been thinking about. So with the newsletter, for example, I've put it out every week since I started it at the end of 2015. This past week was issue 320. So it's 320 weeks in a row that I have thought about, written, published the morning shakeout. And some of that this is maybe my endurance athletes brain is like, okay, I don't want to snap the streak. Uh, yeah, I find yeah. it hard to like, take, <laughs> you know, take a, take a break. Um, some of it's tied to sponsorship. I, I have my sponsors on a monthly or annual basis and they are, are paying me to support the newsletter in a given week. So it's got to go out, it's um, your job. you know, yeah, yeah, it's my job. And, and I've got to be professional about that. Um, on the flip side of that, it's, it hasn't always been fun. Uh, And some of it is self-induced pressure to, you know, like I was saying a little while ago, like have a take on something and, uh, and just wondering like what that's going to be, how people are going to respond. And, And that can like make it not fun, but sometimes it's just a grind because you don't feel like you can ever take a break. And, you know, you're on vacation. My, my wife, God bless her. She's, wonderfully supportive of everything that i i do and has been from the very beginning but i mean she knows that i'm i'm kind of like uh, i'm i'm not really there on mondays um when i'm writing the newsletter and putting the podcast out that afternoon i'm completely wrapped up in it it'd be nice to not be so wrapped up in it uh all the time so one of the things i've thought about is like hey maybe once a month i'll have a guest writer write the shakeout uh, and they would you know know weeks ahead of time that they 're writing a shake out that week, but I can give myself the week off from actually having to you know write the newsletter, but i 'm also sharing a fresh perspective with my audience and also giving someone a platform who might not be so well known but has some interesting things to say, or I think they're an interesting person to. Follow, or they have a perspective that is different than my own, um, and it's good for people to to hear that sort of thing. So that's one of the ideas that I'm I'm playing with uh, with the newsletter, and with the podcast. I mean, I love having these long form conversations and getting deep under the surface with people and finding out, like you know, what what makes them tick and pulling out some insights and inspiration that I that you know really like impact me on a on a personal level. But then I get to share with all of my listeners and, and I know that it has a profound impact on them, but it's also, you know, competing against a bunch of other shows that are doing the same sort of thing. And some of them with the, you know, same guests. So it's like, okay, thinking about the format of the show, it's like, okay, I still want to have those conversations. They're impactful. Um, I, I enjoy doing them, but, you know, how can I do things a little bit differently? Can I introduce some other voices into the mix here that are going to, you know, just make the morning shake out a stronger brand, but also like make it not just about, you know, me and my perspective and, and what I have to say. So uh, I'm not going to divulge much more than that right now, but I've, I've got some uh, pieces in, in place that, you know, I oh. hope to hope to kind of move to the front here soon.
0: That's awesome, man. Do you ever feel a little lonely in the journey as a solo creator? I'm asking because of the fact that I'm a few years behind you right now. And I have like my producer, Ryan Thrower, he works full-time on Free Trail. And granted, we're sort of trying to do something a little bit different. We do a lot of video stuff. And I'm assuming John, your producer, basically just edits the show, right? He's not like a full-time employee of the morning shakeout, right? Do you ever feel like you want like a little bit more partnership or help or just teamwork support behind you?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially as someone who works from home and doesn't get to go into a physical space with other people. I mean, COVID time or not, and, and interact and have all that. And I feel fortunate that I have those team members and we have regular calls where we're talking and communicating and, and that, You know, that's great. Um, But none of them are full time. They're all working on other things. I'm fortunate that they have the time and the willingness and the energy to help me with the morning shakeout. But yeah, it's definitely lonely a lot of times. Um, And it takes a lot of work to just create like my own little. You know, work community yeah. sort of thing, like other other solopreneurs and um, people who are in the the content game who who feel similarly because it can't it can be very lonely. I mean, sometimes you do feel like you're you know in a little bit of an echo chamber. Sometimes um, I mean, I've doubted myself more times you know than I you know than I than I care to admit. Um, so I'm fortunate to have that small team, but I also have other people who aren't directly involved with the morning shakeout who I will bounce ideas off of that are, you know, sort of like my board of directors, if you will, um, from a work standpoint that, you know, I, that I lean on um, like quite a bit for, for counsel. Um, And then, you know, the other thing that I, that I've done too over the past year, which isn't directly tied to the morning shakeout, but really helps me feel just like less lonely in what I'm doing, but also feels like what I'm doing and what I bring to the table has an impact is mentoring a few people. And that has kind of come about rather unexpectedly. And it's just something I, I really enjoy doing. So I have standing calls with people and we have is it, conversations is it about what they're working on. it around coaching or around
0: content creation?
1: One is around content creation. Um, Danae Doramy, who is the host of the Grounded podcast, she won a fellowship through Tracksmith last oh. year to get her show off the ground. And I've been serving as her mentor, I mean, for the past year at this point. She launched her show in January of 2021. And we've gotten really close and we talk weekly and we talk about her show and what she needs to focus on and try and think about all that sort of stuff, but we've just become like good friends, you know? Uh, and, great. and she's like a, a little sister to me, but it, it feels like, Oh, I'm like, I have a part of her journey. Uh, yeah. and I have a, a few others as well, who it's more, i want to call it like, you know, life coaching, but it's just like, you know, kind of mentorship, like young athletes who I don't coach, but that, you know, can lean on me to ask, questions and you know that you know that certainly helps but i mean i'm, I'm fortunate to have good friends here too and marin where where we live i mean a lot of them are mutual friends that you and i share and we get together for runs every week uh and i get out of the house and that's huge um you know i have to force myself to you know to get out of the house a lot of times i still have a track group that i coach on wednesday nights and i see them in person so that helps you know from a work standpoint just just feeling like less alone but it takes it takes quite a bit of effort to you know, make those things a reality, I guess.
0: I think the mentorship thing is a really important thing to just reinforce, not only to seek out mentors yourself, but to be willing to pay that forward, especially as you gain experience and success in your career. And one of the things that I just derive an immense amount of joy from is when Sort of the younger athletes that are coming up in trail running now reach out to me for reach out yeah. guidance and advice on contract negotiation or calendar uh, organization and like race selection and man it just gives me so much joy to be able to sort of pass down my experience and knowledge to the next generation and similarly you know I've so many people in my network who as we've been building free trail have been so generous with their time and expertise as I sort of venture into this media industry where I have zero experience, but which gives me a ton of feeling of purpose and where I do feel like this is maybe what I was born to do. And having the good fortune to have people in my network who are ready, willing and able to dispense, uh, good advice to me when I do hit a log jam or I'm struggling with something. So, really important.
1: Well, when you launched your, let's call it media empire as I as I did earlier, <laughs> just a few years ago, it started with the Well podcast, which, as I mentioned, became Pillars and is now Free Trail. It seems like <laughs> Free Trail is going to be the brand moving forward. You did a yes, whole podcast yes. on that, so we're not going to go down that road, but. Rewinding just a couple of years, could you see yourself where you are now in the things that you're working on or has any of it caught you by surprise?
0: So again, this is a tease for us talking about the podcast that we nearly started together. But yeah, I have been a lifelong sports fanatic, probably the world's biggest consumer of sports media content. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would ultimately be creating that content. But now in retrospect, it's like, oh, all those hours of listening and watching and reading and learning have sort of reached this crescendo where it was like the perfect recipe to Mm -hmm. once the opportunity presented itself to actually get my podcast going and actually be committed to it and put the time and energy into it that it just had this natural momentum to it because I've been an avid consumer of this type of stuff. And I kind of like having these conversations or I like telling the stories that I would want to consume myself. Right. Right. And that's why my show is focused in the way that it is mostly on the professional athletes, because that's what I've always cared about the most. And that's the people who I've always felt the most inspired by across all different sporting disciplines. And I often say, and it's true that to this day, I still listen to sports talk radio nearly every day. It's now usually like kind of in podcast format. I'm not like listening to the terrestrial radio station in my truck or whatever, but as you know, Mario, I mean, I was listening to Bill Simmons back in like 2011 before podcasts were cool. And yeah, I mean, With trail running, my feeling was that, you know, there was, there's good podcasts out there, but I felt like I had something to contribute and something to say because I know all the athletes fairly well. I know all the races. I know the history. I have sort of this photographic memory for results and times and things like that, that I'm never gonna be Killian or Francois or Jim Walmsley or Courtney DeWalter. I, I just am not that talented. I'm a good athlete. I'm not that talented, but what I have this sort of unique skill set for, and a and a love for, and a passion for, and a lifetime of um, experience with is sports media. Not creating it, but being having it being a core part of my life. And so now it's like. This is why I'm so obsessed with it. I mean, I've been obsessed with it my whole life. And now that I'm actually in it and devoting my life to it and my livelihood to it, man, it just feels like I've really aligned what I love doing with my career path. Right. And that is like the ultimate joy that a human can feel, right? It's just that feeling of purpose and mission. And I am working harder than I've ever worked before in my entire life. And never had more fun at the same time. And, uh, yeah, I think that's an an incredible gift.
1: Out of all the things that you're working on and involved with in regard to free trail specifically, what do you view as the core of it? Is it the podcast? Is it the app or is it something else altogether?
0: It's the podcast for sure at this point, but That's really just the beginning of what I want to do. I mean, I have huge aspirations for this and huge plans for it. And that's one of the reasons why I asked you, sort of, in what direction you were heading, if you were going to sort of keep it uh, as sort of solo creator type thing. And for us, you know, we've already sort of got a second podcast in our network, Trail Society, which is doing awesome and which I think provides great value to the trail running community. We have plans to expand our podcast network with other shows. Obviously we do video content also. And ultimately I really want to sort of build out our website to be kind of a core source of information, inspiration, education for trail runners as the sport continues to go up into the right and people are coming into it wanting to learn, wanting to build friendships, wanting to develop community, and needing resources. And I think we're in a unique position to be able to capitalize on that, but also really deliver high-quality service to people. And I really, this is the thing that I'm really sort of obsessed with recently is like, how can I be of service, right? I, I obviously need yeah. to make this business work. And therefore, I need to keep, cash flow and those things in mind, which to this point, I really haven't done and, uh, was reluctant to really monetize the podcast, which is sort of the core of the operation right now. But my goals are much bigger than just, you know, than, or than having a podcast and whatever. I really want to be a core destination for people who are obsessed with the sport. Like I am, And uh, I think there's a unique opportunity right now in the history of the sport. I feel like it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and that's why I just like am full gas all day, every day on it. It's such an interesting spot
1: to be in because I feel the same way. My main objective with everything that I do is how can I be of service to people, whether it's coaching them one-on-one, whether it's creating a newsletter that they read every Tuesday or a podcast that they listen to every week but then the other side of that is okay how do how do i make a living off of that um and and it's always and i've just accepted that it's always going to be like kind of this this weird like push and pull um with with that because i think when you know if, if money weren't an issue then you know i i could do any number of different things, but when you're also like, all right, well, this is what I want to pour my time and energy into. Um, and I need to make it work financially. Um, you really have to learn to prioritize different things and understand where revenue is, is coming in from. Um, but also, you know, and this is important to me is like, I don't, I don't ever want that part of it to, to like, you know, take over my main mission of how I can be of service to people. But that's just this, like, it's this, it's this battle that I feel like is, is always like, you know, going on and sort of ends up influencing a lot of the decisions that, you know, I have to make on a daily, weekly, you know, annual basis when it comes to content that I put out versus like how I am gonna, you know, just like support it so that I can keep it going, but also, you know, pay my bills.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think been the the hardest thing for me to really come to terms with is like, okay, well we've got to do advertisement. You know, I tried for two years to have, do something a little bit different that was more like listener supported, where we monetized through the app, but quite frankly, w- we weren't getting to a point where this was going to ultimately re- achieve escape velocity and allow us to really, you know, be truly sort of listener and and user and community supported. And it's something that I should have learned early and I'm probably something I should have reached out to you and sort of gotten advice from uh, earlier. And it's also not a bad thing, right? And for you, for example, I mean, with Tracksmith, it seems like you guys have a great relationship and it's deeper than just like, Hey, how many people open the email this week? Right. And for me with my new partners that are going to be very, integral to our content offering it's going to be deeper right and it's going to be a win-win situation where we can provide them with a platform to tell their story and and tell their philosophy but also um you know they're going to help us make this business something that i can actually pour my energy into because this is really what i love to do this is what i want to do And in order to do that, of course, like you said, you got to pay your bills also. And for me, you know, I'm employing people now too. And so it's uh, an extra set of sort of considerations. And I still think for the record, Mario, it'll probably be at least a year or two years before I pay myself a dollar out of our operation. And um, that's... uh, helps me to feel like i'm delivering a service and it also gives me an immense sense of purpose of like okay this is truly a passion like ultimately i think i can turn this into a very valuable thing but right now i'm not making money off of it every dollar that we make goes to paying our people and back into the business and um it's uh i don't know it's full commitment right and i think um aligning yourselves with the right people on the team and also the right partners who can help you get to where you want to go is enormously important.
1: Yeah. You have to have that long-term vision. I mean, one thing I haven't talked about, no one's ever really asked me about before is, is just that. I mean, I started writing the morning shakeout in 2015. I started the podcast in 2017. I was still working other jobs until 2019 and some of that was just weird circumstances i mean i left competitor to join a startup the startup sort of imploded within a few months and i had to figure things out but even when i had to figure things out i mean it wasn't like i was just coaching and working on the morning shakeout from the get go at that time i i was putting in like 20 to 30 hours a week at san francisco running company for a yeah. while just to have you know some consistent income coming in because this this was not a a viable business yet but I feel really grateful for the partnerships that I do have and I use that word very intentionally because Tracksmith in particular has been an incredible partner of mine from the very beginning and we've grown together and I think that's Where you're in a very unique position right now with your new partners is that you can grow together. And the other part of that is alignment. I won't partner with a brand. The Morning Shakeout won't partner with another brand that we don't align with in terms of our vision, who we want to speak to, and just the messaging that we're, we're putting out. I mean, now with the podcast, especially, and even the newsletter, I mean, we have brands reaching out every month that want to sponsor what we're doing and if i were just in this for the money i could probably be making five times what i'm making right now but we've been very intentional about the brands that we partner with and the way that we've structured those arrangements as far as these types of deals go is they're on an annual basis i don't want to partner with a brand just for one issue of the newsletter or a month of yeah. the newsletter. I'm like, hey, let's commit to one another and, you know, really try and support each other for at least the next year. And I mean, Tracksmith has been a partner of mine now for five years, uh both in the newsletter and podcast. I've had some other great ones that have come on over the last few years, such as New Balance and Gooder, that, you know, we, we've you know we, we've just kept working together because there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of alignment there and i'm really grateful for that because i do think like sponsorship advertising can and rightfully does in some cases get a bad rap i mean and you, you can tell like you listen to some podcast and you're like they just took money from that yeah. brand that you know that they, they just they don't actually use the product they don't believe in the product they're just like taking money it's like i don't want to do that because like my integrity is you know is on the line and i care about the people who are consuming content but if i'm partnered with the right brands um they can trust what i'm saying about them because they can see like as you said like i'm wearing tracksmith stuff right now if you run with me i'm in tracksmith and new balance all the time got good or sunglasses on like the whole thing like that's that's what i spend my money on um as someone who is a consumer you know in the space and i i want to be like true in that way and it's also worked out because as we've grown together, like these brands have put more support behind what I'm doing, which allows me to do it um, and allows me to like not have to spread myself so thin. I mean, all that in recent years, at least last year or 2 it's been my own doing, but allows me to like, you know, really put my time and energy into this. And it's been huge. I mean, and I think it's mutually beneficial because yeah. not only are they reaching new potential customers, it's like, I, I, I like, being able to tell my listeners and and my readers about like a, you know, new brand, some of the cool things like that they're doing and Tracksmith specifically. I mean, some of the events that they're, that they're putting on like this fellowship initiative that they had last year where they supported a whole bunch of um, new independent, creators which is awesome i mean they just started the tracksmith foundation which is going to help just make track and field more accessible to to more people and that is not that is not a paid advertisement that's stuff that i think is really cool and like i believe in and it's great that you know we can align in that way i think that's just a you know a good example of how how those types of partnerships you know can work and you can grow together you know with a brand and really just help make the space overall a better place
0: yeah yeah Yeah. And the, the alignment of the incentives too, when it's a longer term relationship is just so much more powerful because then you actually do feel like you want to deliver on their support for you. And it isn't Mm -hmm. just a temporary transactional type relationship that it's a longer term mutual investment. And that was so critical for me as I went out and sort of pitched my thing is like I wanted the podcast to be part of it because I felt like it offered a unique direct relationship to the core of the trail running community. And I didn't, you're literally speaking to them. Yeah. And I didn't want to like, just like be selling mattress ads or whatever. Right. Like it was like, I want to be an athlete for you. I want to help you with your strategy and with your product and with your athletes and also I want you to be the title sponsor of my podcast, and that gives me the feeling of like, okay, it aligns my work uh, with you know it's a it's a holistic partnership, right? And yeah, that way the person that's the title sponsor of my podcast is getting that relationship with the core trail running consumer. But then also I don't have to sacrifice my integrity by, you know, selling ads just for, to keep the lights on for the business. Right. Again, it was like a, a huge, uh, hard thing to really wedge into some of the bigger brands, but I think we sort of ended up in the right place. But anyway, good good to sort of go inside baseball on this stuff with you
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I i love doing that um i've got to ask you as someone who is just deeply involved and invested in trail and ultra running on a number of different levels where do you see the sport of trail and ultra running from the professional level on down going over the next few years i mean we did a whole podcast for your show on the utmb ironman partnership um they have announced even more races and partnerships since then they brought western states into the mix so you know the events are definitely getting a lot more professionalized i know there are more brands coming into the space there's certainly more people who want to get out on the trails, but I, I mean, I would love to just get your inside look on where you see all of this going in the next few years.
0: So as you can expect, I have a lot of opinions on this and I'm actually in the process (laughs) right now, Mario, of writing a manifesto on this subject. The working title is my thesis on the future of trail running that I'm ultimately going to publish on our website and probably read aloud on my podcast. So I don't want to spoil too much of it. But what I will say is that I feel like we are at an inflection point, a line of demarcation in the history of the sport. And it's become my total obsession to help and be of service in this moment. And also do something that gets me incredibly excited and inspired and have an influence on this next chapter of the sport and, you know, sort of help to push it forward, but always remaining true to the, to the values and to the spirit. And what I will say is that you can see exactly where the sport's going. If you are a fan of outdoor or action sport and you know anything about the history of mountain biking, of rock climbing, of skiing and snowboarding on the professional level, we're heading in the exact same direction. That being, you know, more um, mass adoption of the sport, more um, sort of media and brand interaction with the sport. We're definitely coming to a point where any brand that wants to be a real player in running in general has to have a very serious Strategy specifically towards trail running. And that's an amazing thing, especially for someone like me who's been in the sport for a long time and who remembers back to a day when, you know, nobody was making a living off of it. And there were hardly any brands that were heavily committed to either athletes or to events or to even making high quality product. And right. now to see where the sport is it's incredible to see how far we've come just in the last decade. But my feeling is that it's only going to accelerate and there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be issues. Uh, But it's my feeling that the sport is very special and that when people come into the sport, the sport changes them. They don't change the sport and that's a powerful thing. And when they have that change and growth and evolution, they then go into their daily lives go into their workplaces, go into their relationships with this changed attitude as a result of being part of our culture and part of our community. And that has rippling effects into the larger uh, society and civilization. So I think very highly of our sport and the people in it. I think we're at an inflection point in the history right now. I think the next decade is going to be absolutely crazy in terms of growth and further evolution and development. And we intend that being free trail intends to be leaders in that next generation. We really want to be of service and have an influence and have an impact on the next generation of the sport. So again, I'm writing my manifesto about this right now, but um, I think it's pretty obvious uh, sort of where the sport is going and it's up and to the right.
1: My follow-up question to that is, does the sport or sports, because I don't think they're one and the same of trail and ultra running exist in silos of their own? Or do you see them as a bigger part of this greater running universe where people and brands and events are, you know, sort of, popping in and out of different disciplines. Maybe they're exploring some sort of like hybrid models. They're talking to someone who, you know, may want like such as myself actually. And I, I mean, I think this is where, you know I I'm really interested in this because I've I've run track I've run cross country I've done marathons I've also done trail and ultras I've coached there and that's not like typical I mean a lot of like trail and ultra is like they're trail and ultra runners and maybe occasionally they'll run like a half marathon or something like that but they're not really paying super close attention to what's going on in other aspects of the sport but I can tell you that there are a lot of people who are focused on the track and focused on marathons who like that's all that they're focused on and yeah. they I mean I was this person until I moved here to the Bay Area in 2014 like I I knew these things were there but I had no interest in them from yeah. the standpoint of a fan of the sport or as a coach and certainly not as a participant until like I met you and a bunch of the other people here in Marin County and I just like threw myself into it so I'm really curious to just kind of get your your take on that
0: my feeling is that there's always going to be some overlap but that they are different personalities that come into trail running or come into Mm -hmm. track and field and make it like a core part of their personal life. Right. Trail running, I think is more, as I think we talked about in our podcast, uh, whatever, a few months ago, the Ironman UTMB podcast trail running I see is much more similar to surfing and skateboarding and mountain biking than I think it is to track and road running. And so I think there's going to be a fundamental difference in the people who come to trail running versus those who come to the track and road scene. But I think, and this again is sort of going into something I don't want to totally spoil in my manifesto, but that this advent of live streaming is going to totally change the game for us. And I feel that trail running has a competitive advantage over other endurance pursuits like an iron man, like an obstacle course race, like a big city mm-hmm. marathon, all those things are cool in their own right. But when you watch the live stream of UTMB and you see the views, you see the landscapes, you see the personal challenge, in my opinion, it doesn't, nothing compares, nothing compares to it. When you see these athletes pushing themselves to the absolute limit, when you see that you actually can walk up the hills, you know, you don't have to run every step of this hundred mile race. And when you get to tell the stories of the phenomenal human beings in the sport and the phenomenal champions that we have in the sport, I think we have a competitive advantage. And so in this next generation, when people are choosing where they want to spend their dollars and where they want to spend their time when they are trying to select their personal challenge for the year, whether it's to do an Ironman or the New York city marathon or the world's toughest mudder or whatever. I think as we get the race live streams and enhance the storytelling in trail running in particular, we will pick people off. It's going to be the easiest sell ever. And that's why I am so bullish on the sport right now is that we're finally getting to a place where we're sophisticated enough to have cool live stream operations. And really the key unlock for me on this front, Mario, was Pow Capel's Breaking 20 project when he ran Mm -hmm. the UTMB course solo in the middle of the pandemic, August of 2020. He basically live streamed the whole thing on his own Instagram. He just did an Instagram live. And I watched hours of it. And I was just like, this is Better than most of the content that you can find in any endurance sport, and it's just an Instagram live. And now with the advent of you know more serious live streaming at Western States and UTMB, uh, I think that's going to accelerate the growth of the sport significantly. And um, in my opinion, it's going to be our biggest sort of competitive advantage against. I mean, when when we're talking about the greater endurance ecosystem.
1: Mm-hmm. My last question for you in this area is, and maybe this is part of your manifesto, but how do you make the sport of trail running more accessible? Because on a on a very fundamental level, not everyone lives near trails and has that kind of access. I mean, you're fortunate too in Portland. I'm very fortunate too here in Marin County. But there are a lot of people who would love to explore the trails, but access is an issue. And then also the other side of that, watching, you know, an event like UTMB, it is super inspiring. And you see these places that the sport can literally take you. And, and it's really, really aspirational in that way. But it also costs a lot of money. Like it's not cheap to be able to like fly over there. As yeah, just but neither a, is you doing know, an Ironman. Neither no, is
0: going it's, to do the Boston Marathon.
1: Yeah. But I wondered, like, does that limit the sports potential for growth? Um, I mean, because I I think you see that with you see that with like with Ironman or or even like, you know, marathons. But I feel like this is I feel like it's more like Ironman than it is like marathons in in that way. And I just wonder if that if that factor alone, like limits the sports potential for growth.
0: You mean the like the travel and the, the fact that not a lot of people live close to a trailhead? Is that what you mean?
1: Like both of those things, like yeah. the accessibility to the actual trailhead, but also like these different events that inspire people, especially if, you know, someone lives in a place where they don't have trails out their backyard, they've got to travel there and that that costs money. Like some people might see that and be like, well, I I just I can't do that. I literally yeah. like can't afford to to go there.
0: Yeah, well, I think For a lot of people, myself included, I mean, I do a lot of my running on the roads too, just to train for trail races. So people in wherever, Des Moines, Iowa, who may not have mountains and big state parks with big trails close to them, they can still train where they are and have Mm -hmm. these personal challenges and personal goals. It's not easy to train for mountain hundred milers from those places, but it's possible for sure. And I guess, yeah, trail accessibility is definitely, I think going to be a hurdle that the sport has to confront. And it's actually something I've thought a lot about with free trail too, is like, how can we be politically engaged to lobby for the building and the maintenance of trails and open spaces And like, how could we maybe go to some, you know, private landowners or to BLM or to other sort of stakeholders and pitch them of like, this is the therapeutic use of this space here. You know, people could come here and interact with the landscape and deal with their emotional and psychological stuff out here and challenge themselves and, I don't know. I think you could lobby in a, in a, uh, effective way. And so, yeah, there's definitely going to be hurdles to the growth, but nothing that's insurmountable. Right. I think it, nothing that any other endurance sport has to deal with. It's like, okay, world's toughest mudder Spartan and stuff is broadcasted on NBC a lot. It's like, nobody's got a cargo net in their backyard practicing, you know, climbing a cargo net. It's the same challenge. You know, people train the way that they can in order to prepare for whatever their challenge is. And when they get there, they're going to be challenged. And, you know, it's all about sort of bringing yourself to that moment. And I think that there's nothing more inherently difficult about trail and ultra running than than about doing the Boston Marathon. And I think for a lot of people, people like me, it's much more inspiring to like be out in the mountains, even if you don't live in the mountains. Like for me, it's much more inspiring to think about going to do UTMB than it is about doing the Boston marathon for you. It might be totally different, but Mm -hmm. that's how it is. That's how it is for me. And I think there's a lot of people like me out there. And, um, yeah, so that's why I think as we sort of, move into this next generation where the media and the storytelling and, and really the race day experience of the fan is enhanced. then maybe we end up you know getting some distribution by NBC or Peacock or you know some of these bigger sort of distribution channels. and then who knows, Man, it accelerates. But I think also to your point, I mean the trail running and ultra running and whether they're siloed or whatever, I think the short form, short course trail running, is probably the key to exponential growth in the sport because it is something that's easier to build into a broadcast than a a 20 hour UTMV or something like that. So anyway, yeah, again, stay tuned. I'm I'm writing my manifesto right now. Maybe I'll send you a draft when it's finished and uh, I can't wait to read it. it on the website. Yeah. So Mario, we should wind down, but, um, we got to tell the story about excessive moderation. So you, you you run with it and I'll plug holes behind you.
1: Yeah. You're going to have to, I, my memory is not great, but we uh-huh. had this idea. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was at least two, if not three or four years ago, Probably 2013.
0: Um, if you started the shakeout in 15, 2013,
1: no, it couldn't have been 2013. So I didn't know you then I moved to the Bay here in 2014. And it was probably shortly after that. I'd say it was 2015. And I, had the morning shakeout or, or no, dude? this was before the morning shakeout. Was it? I thought it was early days of the morning shakeout, but pre podcast. You're still a competitor. Um, No, this is, this is pre morning shakeout. Okay. Uh, let's go with pre morning shakeout. It was definitely pre podcast. I'm not confident that was pre morning shakeout, but I know it was pre podcast. And we had talked about launching a podcast together called excess in moderation. And, I still love that name so much Um, and it it actually I thought of it recently I was watching a couple different things I watched 14 Peaks on Netflix we just watched The Alpinist last night and we watched this six-part series on HBO called The Hundred Foot Wave and I mean it just made me think of what we had for this idea for a show it's like the the in our case like runners, athletes who pursue things in, in excess, whether it's ultra distance races, whether it's, you know, trying to set an FKT on, on something and how that can, like, if, if not, if you're not careful, can definitely like overwhelm you and, you know, get, get the best of you. But if you can, you know, if you can do those things and, you know, moderation, they can be really challenging, really, you know, fulfilling. I think there are a lot of those stories out there and I mean you are certainly telling some of them in your podcast and telling some of them in mine. but that was going to be like sort of the you know the theme of the show and I know I'm missing a lot right there but why don't why don't you fill it in for me the
0: way I remember it is I think we were like having brunch or something after a Saturday or Sunday run
1: probably and I've
0: like wanted to start a radio show. I I mean, like I said, I've been listening to sports radio since I was a kid. I was listening to Bill Simmons back before podcasts were a thing. I mean, I remember when the podcast serial came out and everybody like discovered podcasting. I'm like, come on, I've been doing this for ages. (laughs) I've been on the podcast kick since, you know, before it was cool. And, uh, you know, you being the person that you were and are in the sport as a, at that time, a uh, a writer for competitor and just sort of like a thought leader in the space. I think we just like at brunch one day I was like, yeah, I wanted to I want to start a podcast and you were like, man, we should talk about this and then we went we had a couple like coffee meetings where we sort of ideated on the subject and mm-hmm. and it I just wasn't at a place in my career yet where I Felt like it was a good use of my time, or really, I I didn't really, I think, have confidence in my ability to do it well for a long time. And then, yeah, ultimately, use the morning shakeout, whether it was in existence or not at that point, picked
1: up steam. Yeah,
0: picked up steam, and clearly, you know, it was better for you to sort of push that uh, solo than to do a collaborative podcast. And your podcast now is. The best in the game one of the best in the game so um yeah it didn't didn't work out to to sort of start one together but we did get very close to starting a podcast together it, but it came
1: close man i mean we had artwork made <laughs> which i still have because it's
0: awesome it and i'm not going to share I just, it i don't
1: want i don't want anyone to steal it but um <laughs> you know who knows maybe we'll save it for for a later date um but yeah we we kind of got like I'm, I mean, almost as far as you could go without actually sitting down to record an episode and, you know, and and put out a show. Um, but I still love that idea. And I think there's, you know, I think there's something there. And I guess anyone listening to this, you know, could, you know, could certainly steal it for themselves. We haven't trademarked anything. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was a, an early idea that we had together. And I think that's, you know, to wrap this conversation up, it's nice to sort of see it kind of come full circle in our respective ways, what I'm doing with the morning shakeout, what you're doing with free trail. And I mean, I think there is a lot of, you know, overlap and and synergy there. And we're able to, you know, record a podcast like this, talk about the UTMB stuff earlier this year. I'm sure there's going to be future, you know, sort of, of collaborations, but I, I mean, I love that we're both still, you know, in this space and doing what we can to serve Other people in running, whether that's, you know, helping them with training and racing, serving up, you know, inspiration, uh, and just giving them tools that, that they need to really like thrive in this, you know, in these sports. Um, so
0: yeah, it worked out the way that it was supposed to. And we've, I, I think so, gone on to do, do fun things independently. But, you know, I think there's a lot of mutual respect for one another i certainly love everything that you put out i love your podcast Likewise, i've been a subscriber to the newsletter probably since the first issue and i read it front to back every week no matter what so
1: mario Fraoli,
0: man look at us a little cross cast here on our two. yeah a little cross cast a long a long cross cast at that um but <laughs> it's a couple yeah, of it podcasters is together they don't shut up yeah we're two yeah. hours deep <laughs> No,
1: and it's fun to, you know, it's fun to do some of the inside baseball stuff. I don't get to talk about that stuff often at all. So it it is nice to just go back and forth with you about it, but I'm really proud of you, man. I love what you're doing with free trail. I'm excited for these next steps that you're taking in your career as an athlete, as a a broadcaster. Um, I mean, I, I really think that's what you are more than anything else. You're a great broadcaster. (laughs) Uh, and I just, you know, I just look forward to continuing to, follow it to consume it uh, and support you in any way that i can
0: well like, likewise bro appreciate everything that you do i appreciate the inspiration that you provide me and everything that i do and uh yeah i can't wait to get together sometime soon hopefully in Marin county in the sunshine on the trails
1: All right, thank you so much for listening in to the Morning Shakeout podcast. A big thank you to both Tracksmith and the Kaiser Permanente San Francisco Half Marathon 10K and 5K for sponsoring this episode of the show. Tracksmith's No Days Off collection is designed to help you weather Mother Nature's worst and features staples for getting out the door in the most miserable of conditions. Go to tracksmith.com/mario to check out some of my favorite apparel picks and use the code MARIO at checkout get free shipping on your order while also helping support la saves track i'd love for you to join me at the kaiser permanente san francisco half marathon 10k and 5k on february 6 2022 this is one of my favorite races and there's something here for everyone Register today at getfitkpsf.com race and use the code SHAKEOUT, that's all caps, when you check out before January 31st to save 10 bucks on your registration fee. Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out as always to my man John Summerford. He's my audio ninja for this show and makes every episode sound clear and amazing. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for handling sponsorship sales and Jeffrey Stern for the editorial and social media assistance. I don't have a big team here at the Morning Shakeout, but these three guys have been crucial in helping keep this ship afloat. Finally, if you're digging this podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe for an annotated collection of things that I've been thinking about, reading, and listening to that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's it. I'm Mario Fraoli, and this has been another episode of The Morning Shakeout Podcast.